podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey, don't forget the Johnsons are coming over. I want to find a rosé Jill hasn't tried yet. Let's go exploring at Total Wine. Their prices are ridiculously low. Wondrous selection, helpful guides, always low prices. Total Wine and more. Hey, imagine if all your frustrations about advertising your business could be solved right now. You should know that podcast listeners are more engaged in higher converting than any other advertising medium. So try AdHub today and reap the rewards of Spreaker's self-advertising platform. It makes it as effortless as ever to be heard by thousands, regardless of the listening app they use. Visit Spreaker.com forward slash AdHub. That's S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R.com forward slash AdHub and start using your advertising dollars in an impactful way. Hello everyone, it's Gav here. I hope you're all doing very, very well. Myself and Grizz were in London on Tuesday and we were at the offices and studios of 90 Minute Football. We were asked to go over and we were asked to do a little bit of a chat about Liverpool and I suppose everything about the club at the moment, seeing as that we're on such a high and doing so well in the league and of course the European Cup run is still going, the FA Cup run is still going. Grizz has done a little bit of work with these over the last little while and he's done really well, he's been brilliant on it and if you if you haven't subscribed to 90 Minute Football yet on YouTube, go and do it. Um, the work they do and the work Grizz is doing with them has been really, really, really impressive. Uh, we were there with Ben, who was the man from 90 Minute Football, he was our host, uh, as a course myself and Grace and Neil Atkinson and most sure from the Anfield rap. It's about an hour long and um, they've kindly given us the audio so we can put it up onto our feed. So sit back and enjoy. There's talk of European Cups, there's talk of the league so far, there's players, there's owners, there's there's everything, mentality, everything is thrown in there within the hour. I hope you enjoy and talk to you soon. <laughs> Guys, welcome to a special 90 Min Daily. We thought, as things are getting to that stage where it looks like it's inevitable, we needed to do this show. Just a bit of a Liverpool special, deep diving into why it's gone so right this season, as well as where it's going to go over the course of the next 15, 16 weeks. Um, so I've got Gavin and, and uh, Grizz from LFC Day Trippers. I've got Mo and Neil from the Anfield Rap. Very lucky to have uh, everyone down with us. I, I don't know where to begin. Should we start with the Champions League? Should we start yeah. with the, the, the kind of like the two Champions League finals? Mm-hmm. And the path that you've been on since then, because it did feel like that was quite a seminal moment, the, uh, the the first defeat, right? The way that everyone came away from that, it didn't feel like the end, did it? It kind of felt like, right, you're going to go on an upward trajectory. Do you want to kick us off, Grizz? It was exactly what Klopp said. Um, there were so many clips of the, the final afterwards where he, where he turns around and says, this is the beginning. This is why I must stress to the fans, and he made a point of it, that, and he was convinced and... I think a lot of people at that stage were sort of bought into his sort of philosophy and his and his mindset of this sort of doubters to believers type thing that he had this mantra. And, you know, I'm the same. I'm, I'm exactly the same as what Club was thinking. I knew even though we had lost to Madrid and it hurt the pain and the way it happened with Mo and everything, I knew it was just the beginning of the best things of, of my lifetime. I would literally around so the So this corner. is as good as you've, you've ever seen? Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm... I think I'm probably one of the older statement statements. <laughs> but, but, I, I, but, but, no, but I've said to you before, Ben. It's 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 the most um, how shall I put it? It's the most enjoyable time to be a red because everything seems perfect from top to bottom. And we've had brilliant players, we've had brilliant coaches, but now we've got you know the management, the ownership, the the, the, the result, Everything seems so perfect. It's like we're living in an LFC dream world, and long may it continue. And so coming into coming into the next Champions League final, mm-hmm. were you sort of like we've seen the transition now? We've gone from being a very good side to a side that's ready to conquer Europe again and then maybe go on. Yeah, his transition wasn't just that European Cup final though against Madrid. I think if you look back to the Europa League, he loses that. He loses the League Cup final, and, and people were, you know, he's lost five of his last final. Yeah, there was a lot of chat around that. Wasn't it was getting yeah. a bit heavy, and maybe I don't know, did it heap a little bit more pressure on him after Real Madrid? I don't know, but. The reaction was second to none. You know, people thought, could he react? Could he get into the Champions League again? Was the talk the following season. But he doesn't. He goes and he, he, he puts a squad together there. He adds one or two in, mainly Allison, after getting Van Dijk uh, six months previous. But he, he puts this squad together and they go and they, what they get, they basically, the last half an hour of the Premier League season is when the league title is decided. But he goes and wins the European Cup 
But it was all about the reaction for me, you know, and showing how solid this squad was and, and the belief that they had in themselves because it would have been easy for many a player in that squad, the likes of a Milner, a Lallana, a Henderson, you name them, day and over, to say, we got there and it didn't work out for us and he could have fell down, but Klopp didn't allow it. He just didn't allow it. Madrid was massive from the point of view of, I mean, if they'd have lost that. And especially after going, I remember like, you know, they go 1-0 up, the way they go 1-0 up that early in the game, it mm. felt even more like, God, if they lose this. Because the journey had been so positive and it had been so positive off the back of Madrid, there'd been a clear issue with the goalkeeper, Carrius, and he brings in Alisson. And I think that allowed everyone to believe, everyone to get together on the page, football, the, the players, the supporters, everyone felt like it's on again here. We can do something, not necessarily 97 points in a European Cup final, but we can do something. That Champions League final, as I say, they go 1-0 up. And I remember on about 60, and they have Tottenham at arm's length, but your heart in your mouth because it would have been so really? difficult yeah because it would have been so difficult to pick them up again and pick us up again yeah. you know it would have felt like it would have felt cataclysmic at that point if that game had gone the other way and Tottenham had somehow got a 2-1 win but they, went, they never looked like doing it and when you watch the video back Liverpool are in complete control they've dominated the game but obviously at the time because you're living and dying by this and when Origi makes it 2-0 honestly I've done this I've done this at our live shows I talk to a lot of people about this everyone's crying there was barely anyone in that Damn, end who wasn't in tears. Yeah, it was, yeah. It, but it was that, that moment of the journey, that moment of we finally see them do something because they got 97 points. And if they hadn't got to lift something brilliant up, in you'd done the, you know, they'd, be, they'd come back from 3-0 down against Barcelona, 4-0. You know, if they hadn't got to lift something brilliant up, at the end of that, it would have just killed you. And it was, you know, it was an absolute outpouring of sheer relief when Origi scores. And I think that that just allows everyone to kick on, everyone to relax. It's interesting you said it because it felt in the stadium at the time, that Liverpool were in complete control. Like you said, they were at arm's length, but I suppose when you're so invested, yeah. it's very difficult to, to sort of remove yourself. It's the, the history as well. I mean, we've been coming second in, and, or coming runners-up in the league or in cups for so long. So Just close think, every time. So close. This is going to be the time. This is going to be the time. And then it's not. And then it's not. Just getting over the line that first time was so massive because not only did it give people belief in the squad, anyone within that squad who was thinking, well, maybe I'm not going to be able to fulfil my ambitions here. I love this club, but I might have to go somewhere else to win big trophies. That was instantly killed. For me, I think looking back on the whole parts of the journey, one of the biggest things in that changing of mindset for me was Fabinho. We, we, we basically, these lot were still on the way back from Kiev. Or we announced that we signed Fabinho. It was right there. It was a guy who no one had been touting up. We were after, but who, as we've seen since, has been absolutely perfect. And the fact that they had that ready to go as if to say, "Look, we did well here, but this is a brand new start." And then you think about Allison. You think about the periods of that summer where maybe people were talking about we're not going to get him because at that point the, the price was apparently too high. And you have that incident where he's got the. Um, the preseason friendly Karis is playing at Tramir and it goes horribly wrong and I don't know whether that was a catalyst or not but someone in the club said we have to go and get that one guy. of the one of the main reasons why the Champions League win was such a catalyst and such motivation and sort of relief was because you know often clubs you talk about who, who haven't won a, 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 a title for a while they say well you need to win a league cup to start off that winning mentality well we won the biggest trophy as our first ever trophy after a little while. So the, the, the confidence that gave to the team, the squad, even the fans was absolutely out of this world because we've just won the Champions League. We didn't win the League Cup to start off our trophy no. sort of, you know, yeah. we didn't win the FA Cup. We won the, the biggest trophy that out there, there is. And that, I think that confidence just went straight through the squad. I agree with that. I used to think that it was not a myth, but I used to think people overplayed the idea of the addiction to winning. That it was like, oh, once you win one, you get the bug and you want to do it again. I thought, well, come on, there's there's more to it than that. But when you're standing, so I was standing in the mix zones, they were running through with the trophy. And the players were on such a high that you just think, oh my God. Like you after that drifted off, you'd be like, I need it again. I need that, that feeling. As part again. of that, as part of that, there's the you know, there's then the trophy parade. And they've all yeah, cited yeah. the trophy parade, and the trophy parade was off the charts, and I think they were I think they were surprised by it. And a lot of people don't like Liverpool supporters talking about things like this because they think it refers to a scouse exceptionalism, which I feel as though feels as though but the point about this is though, is that that many people did come and watch Liverpool put the trophy around the city. The players had been motivated by those scenes in the same way that the players are motivated in big games by the noises that are in the grounds, mm. by the atmosphere. That you can you can say, oh well, that's anyone, or you can say, well, it's not loud when we come. Uh, if you're if you're Bournemouth, you can go down that sort of list. But the reality <laughs> is, the reality is that the reality speaks for itself. The, those scenes around that trophy parade, absolutely, like Klopp still talked about it after the fact. The players have cited it repeatedly. It just told them yet again, firstly, how big the 
club is, but secondly, how much it means to so many people. And imagine that high. Imagine getting off that bus that day and Sorry. going off to your international duty and thinking, well, how do we get another one of them? Well, there's an easy way to do it. Let's go and win the, let's go win the league. There's one of the bigger motivations. Like People talk about money and trophies. Don't get me wrong, medals at the end of your career. But there's no doubt that the Liverpool players and, and management staff look at this and say, we could go and do that again. You know, come May, June this year, but it'll be bigger this year. It'll be a hundred percent bigger this year because European Cup, brilliant, three quarters of a million people. Do you reckon went yeah. and watched that parade? It'll be bigger than that. Look, I'm from Dublin, and I can tell you, you will not get a flight out of Dublin. <laughs> I'm genuinely, you will not get a flight out of Dublin. Friday, Saturday, <laughs> Friday, Saturday, Sunday, or Monday of that weekend, and at the end of May, if the parade was to happen. I don't think it will happen because we'll be in the European Cup final a couple of weeks later. In oh, my yeah. <laughs> so you'll end up having, hopefully, a double celebration. That's how big it is. I'm, like Neil says, players getting off that bus know about the, the history and everything around Liverpool. But when you get, when you feel it first hand, like yeah. James Milner sp- speaks about it a lot, but James Milner's seen it first hand as a 33 year old man, you know, a really experienced footballer. And then he comes and sees that and he has to be walking off going, no, it's actually bigger than I thought. Genuinely, this uh, just on the on the on the parade thing. Our uh, our videographer Sam, he does loads of great work with us. The Anfield rap. He was on one of the buses, and Sam supports Arsenal, so this is a really important point. Sam supports Arsenal, and he was on one of the buses, and it's going round. And when I saw him in the morning after, he'd said it was like a religious experience. Like he couldn't believe what he'd gone through. And he's not coming there from a Liverpool point of view. Mm. Literally supports Arsenal, and he said it. You know, it was unbelievable. And if we get another one this year, which we now expect at least one for the league title, you'd like to think at this stage. Like he's already said, Ashley works with us. He wants Ash to do it. He wants Ash to get to experience it because it, and wow. he's, he's referred to it as an experience yeah. I want you to get to experience that so if they're kind enough to invite us on again which they might not do but if they do then you know I shall get to experience it and that's Sam's outlook on it and so you know that this is a guy as I say Arsenal no, no you know loves what we do but no real love for Liverpool no, in a sense imagine yeah. being Jordan Henderson Mm. Yeah, yeah. In that yeah, moment yeah. when you've captained this and now all these people have come out. Imagine being Jurgen Klopp. Imagine, you know, just simply having that in your bones because that's where it'd be by that point. I, I do want to come on to the um, the connection that the club seems to have with the fans as well because I do think that's probably the best in the league and I think they've actually paved the way for how you should interact with your fans mm-hmm. and, and treat your fans. But let's, let's come on to just the, the beginning of the league because you posted a video not long ago and it was us in the studio and people had said there were the goals were... City by Christmas. Oh yeah, that Liverpool wouldn't be oh, able to maintain it. Oh no, 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 no! There's a special folder for that. <laughs> I've posted one already. I mean, credit to you. You, you, you from the start said your favourites were Liverpool. But I just think, look, it's kind of understandable. A lot of people make Man City favourites. You know, ninety-eight point season, then a hundred point season. Pep Guardiola, super manager, super coach, super players. They didn't buy anyone this summer, did they? Rodri. 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 So you can imagine them being favourites. But I just couldn't understand the sort of disrespect almost shown to Liverpool as in terms of how much people thought that City are going to win it by. You was at the show myself, uh, at yourself where, where everyone was saying, oh, I think City, I don't think Liverpool will be able to maintain the space that they've sort of, it was, you know, they were saying it's a one-off season. And I was so adamant and so sure that it's not, yeah. that what, because we knew as we've said, we've just discussed, we knew the upward curve, the trajectory of Liverpool was definitely upwards. Whereas I personally thought Man City had sort of reached their peak in that season. I thought that is their peak, especially looking at the age of their squad. No really significant signings, Aguero, Fernandinho, not replacing company, which I did say is going to be massive. And so it turned out. So I just found that, you know, I just found the, the disrespect almost shown to Liverpool. You know, I didn't understand it. And no one thought, I don't think anyone sat here, thought it's going to be this. Like having won in January. I'm saying it. I'm saying it. We've won it. Right? <laughs> we've, won it. we've won it in January. And it's amazing. But I definitely thought that we're an upward curve and it's going to be out of us two. But I can understand it's... to a certain extent because if you look at the way we finished last season, we didn't drop a point after the 3rd of March, I think it was. And we played so fantastically well and it still wasn't enough. And you can understand how... For a team who've maybe come close, as we were saying, a few times and not got there, you can start to lose a little bit of heart of things. But going back to the Champions League final, the way that we were able to come back the very next year and finish the job, that's exactly what they were saying in that dressing room. Look, we've done it with the Bout Trophy, we can do it with this one. And if you look further back than March and look at from the beginning of last season to now, 
the consistency that we showed. It is insane. It's, it's insane. It's unprecedented. And it was only two years before that we were talking about Manchester City as being unprecedented, as being an untouchable team. Untouchables. And when you think about the perception people had of Manchester City, I think that played into as well. Yeah, why absolutely. Because it was almost like parts of last season, you couldn't see them losing. You couldn't see how any team could get around them. Everything they had an answer for. And if you look at now... That's what people are saying about us. I do remember as well there was a, a certain scepticism, particularly from Liverpool fans, about the fact that you hadn't done a huge amount of business over the summer. That's the thing that convinced me we'd win the league. <laughs> really? Yeah, because... And, and just going on Man City and stuff like that, to me it feels like the football world in England, I suppose, can only laud one team at a time. You know, if you, if you watch back... Now, they said it was a fantastic title race, but you would find... You know, they're talking about City, can they chase the 100? Can they chase the 100 again? They get 98 and we get 97. That's fine. And I was of the opinion early on in the summer that after winning the European Cup and doing so well in the league that you, you strengthen from a position of power. I will, I will be of that opinion. If you're in a position of power, you strengthen. You don't, you don't stand still. But when it gets to whatever it is, the 9th of August and, and the window shuts, <coughs> You'll always hear people say, you know, back the manager, you know, back what he's trying to do and back. And when I looked at when Jurgen Klopp has decided that all he's going to do is sign Harvey Elliott and Sepp van der Bergen in the summer, he believes in it. So, and he loves a lot more about football than I do. So if he believes in it and he believes that that squad, like Mo says, can finish a job like they've done the previous season with the European Cup. Yeah, absolutely. And. Yeah, from day one, I thought Liverpool would win the title. Let, let's touch on the start of the season then, because you go into the games and then it's, it's almost disaster in losing Alisson mm. straight away. You bring in Adrian, who's come over the over the course of it, it was sort of the latter end of the window, wasn't he? Yeah. And yeah, I suppose that's one of the things that we'll probably look back on, or maybe won't get talked as much about, but performed really well. Like he was, he was certainly passable as a as a backup keeper that probably wasn't thinking he was going to play any game. Yeah, he gets, and I think what really helps is he gets that Super Cup yeah. under his belt, mm. the penalty saves, and I think straight away then, firstly, not only has he won a trophy, it's not like we won 5-0 and he had nothing to do. He saved the penalties. Mm. You know, he's there in goal for that. So I think that that makes a, a difference to him and gets him moving. He gets away with the big error at Southampton, you know, and it's fine for him to be rusty. Yeah. It's a massive error, but Liverpool get out 2-1 uh, on the day, and, you know, if, if he doesn't make the error, it all looks a lot calmer, but in the end, you know, Southampton are putting balls in the box. But yeah. the point is that he stays alive. And Alisson himself, he doesn't get the knock. He doesn't get that thing of he feels like a substitute goalkeeper instead. And uh, I think his personality type, what you hear of him off the pitch in the dressing room, also the way in which he sort of conducted himself on things around social media, he also comes across like, frankly, what you sort of need, which is a bit of a buzzhead. He's yeah. absolutely got into this, and mm. suddenly he's, he's, this is his mad life because a few weeks in. ago I was doing this. He's all in. We're all in with him. The players are all in with him. And yeah, we had to change a couple of things. And I think just at the point, I think it's Salzburg at home in the Champions League yeah. where I don't think he's great. I think he has a bit of a sticky day, and it's yeah. just at the point where you might have started to think, "God, I wish I, I, I wish Allison was back." But it was sound because Allison was back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you know, I think that little things go for you sometimes in a season. And as I say, if 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 we don't win the Super Cup, and if if if, if that Southampton game finishes two two, and if maybe there's another three weeks, and it begins to just all sort of fade a little bit, and the adrenaline buzz disappears, then maybe we might talk about it a little differently. But now, you know, I want him to play in the FA Cup final if we get there. I yeah. want to get that opportunity. Yeah. To I think he's earned it. He's earned that idea now that he's proper second choice Liverpool goalkeeper. But again, Neil talks about, sorry, Neil talks about his character and personality around the club. I think that's just more credit to the stra- uh, the recruitment team, how much analysis, analysis we do in terms of their personality and character. He seems perfect fit. So yeah. even when he's not playing, there's no disharmony. He's not causing any disruption. He's in, in fact helping around sort of the rest of the teammates. Even the younger teammates, you know, they talk about, you know, Adrian's helping them out, the new signings. It just shows that how much homework is done and it's everything sort of so brilliantly planned so out. So moving in the right direction mm. across the board, isn't it? I, I do want to touch on that Southampton game because that, to me, felt like, now looking back, is probably the first one in the season where you thought, this is where the pattern started. Liverpool getting their noses in front, having to weather a bit of a storm at times, giving away a couple of chances, but having enough to go onto an extra gear well, and just breeze past. People. Yeah, they were, they were the better side uh, until about 40 Southampton. Yeah, um, Chairman's had a couple of massive... Yeah, he has a decent header that comes across the box, but they don't really... The Liverpool, Liverpool hang in the game really, really well, and, and as they've done at times this season. 
But then Liverpool managed scores just before the break, and I think another pattern that gets established at Southampton, the 15 after half-time, yeah. Liverpool yeah. are unreal. Yeah. Southampton are lucky. You've seen it Yeah, you've seen it again, just gone. Southampton are lucky to get out, and it's only 2-0 out mm. of that phase of play. That could have been three, it could have been four. Liverpool got them penned in around the box, they can't get out. It's tremendous. And But then, yeah, uh, it ends up being 2-1, and Liverpool get that single-goal lead, that they need, a victory that they, need, that they go on to get again and again. But it's back to the Tottenham game, it's back to the final. Arms length. Yeah, but they were at arm's length, and I think that there's, I think that arm's length is, is one of the things that a lot of sides have come out after having played Liverpool this season and basically uh, got beat by a goal and gone, oh, Liverpool were for, fortunate there. Can't have been fortunate 21 yeah, times, no, lads. No, yeah. It's not how it works. No, yeah, it's, it, it's another evolution of the side as well, because if you think back to earlier club teams, we would have those periods where we could blitz teams, but if we didn't get the goals, we were then susceptible to yeah. a comeback. If we didn't get enough goals, and I think that's why it took a lot of fans a while to get used to what we're seeing and to become less nervous when we're only a goal in front because you think of all those times I think back to Sevilla and Champions League away from home where we were 3-0 up losing ended up 3-3 but now we have the confidence in our defence not only the personnel but our structure and our organisation to say look we're going to have to withstand pressure here but we can we've done it again and again and again and it gets to the point where if you do it as a team enough times the opposition start to lose heart they start to sort think of beating like, teams while they before they even get out onto exactly. the exactly, and, yeah. and the psychological element again going back to the comparison with Manchester City. If you look at the game against Crystal Palace, Manchester City scored two goals late on to go from one 0 down to two one up. You think, oh, okay, Aguero's done it again. They got out of jail. Palace didn't think that. Palace thought there's still something in there. There's still game. something for and us. They went out there two minutes late and they got their equaliser. Um, let me pick your brain just a little bit on that on the start of the season because Liverpool only kept two clean sheets in the first fifteen. Mm-hmm. Has that been something that that Liverpool grown into in terms of like this defence getting stronger and just feeling a little bit more assured in the in the style of play? I, I don't think they were helped with the centre half situation, um, and that's gone on. It's still going on, I suppose. Joe Gomez at the moment, I think it's eight clean sheets in nine league games. Is yeah, that right? Yeah. Since he's come back in, I don't think they were helped with that. But the, the big trend for me of the season is the different ways Liverpool are winning games. Like Mo said, there we used to go and blitz teams three 0 and hope for a three two by the end of it. You know. Go and we beat them four and five, and but we've we've evolved now into a side that can go out and blast. Like Neil said, fifteen minutes after half time, we could have put three past United in that fifteen minutes. We're out shadow of a doubt, but we're we're evolving into this all the time. Yeah, defensively it wasn't great. Look, look I think we've only conceded fourteen league goals this season, yeah. and fourteen of them were in the first fourteen games. We've, you know, so we're averaging only one goal a game. It wasn't. It was more than it was made out to be, but. As you look at this team as it goes on and on and on, and we'll do so right up in May and the 16 league games that remain, they'll win, the, they'll win games in so many ways. Yeah. And the defensive stuff that was talked about, more than hope by others, I think, than, than actual reality, I think that'll be long, long forgotten by the end of the season. I was just going to, we've evolved into a team that deals with <coughs> problems live. So whatever we're faced with, we deal with it. So for example, um, against Man United, we come out sort of a bit cagey because they've discussed it, the change of system. From Man United, we left s- two left-backs, we're trying to work it out, it took us 10 minutes, and then we blitz them. So then after half-time, we, we know we need another goal. We came out, and for me personally, I thought it was some of the best football we played in a long time, that first 15, 20 minutes. And then maybe natural, it's natural to retreat, and then we know we have to defend, and then we defend absolutely immaculately. All right, Martial gets a chance. So for me, it's, we've evolved into a team that just deals with every problem, just right there, live and exclusive kind of thing. What, what, what do you reckon with the game when you, when you get through that first 15 games? Is there a moment that you can remember thinking, hang on a second, this is, this is on here? Well, no, I, I think by 15 games you knew it was on. I think the comeback at Villa is massive. Mm, yeah. I'm going to be massive. For me, the game where you're able to, the two games against Leicester home and away sort of illustrate a lot of what we're talking about. The away game at Leicester is the performance of champions. They decimate second in the league. They go to their grounds. Liverpool are meant to be finding it tough coming back from Qatar. Uh, Leicester, uh, rock up and get put to the sword. They barely have a shot in their own ground. Um, and, it's in front of the nation, you know, eight, eight o'clock box. And oh, the nation was waiting for us yeah, to fall to the eight o'clock box and take cop for that. But I think the home game against Leicester is one of the ones that's actually, I think, given us. I and it, it, it seems like such a, a niche 
rant. Is that this. the Milner pen? The Milner yeah. pen last minute. Yeah. But yeah. Liverpool that day destroyed Leicester. We absolutely played them off Barsha. the park. They scored with the, they had two shots in the game, yeah. and they scored with the second one from Madison. And you know, it wasn't a it wasn't like a, a shot that should be going in. Maybe again, maybe the goalkeeper it's Adrian at that time could do a little bit better. But Liverpool genuinely should have been by that point three four ahead. The goals don't come, and instead they hang in there and they get the winner. But the way in which it was framed post match, you know, I was watching the match of the day coverage, it was framed. They showed everything that Leicester did in the Liverpool half that was in any way, shape, or form half decent and they didn't, they didn't even show the best chance of the game which was something Salah burns just after half time not yeah. similar to the one against United the other yeah. day yeah. and they didn't even show that and I, I just I was I was gobsmacked watching it because what they wanted to frame was this idea of Liverpool showing guts character and getting a bit of fortune last kick of the game not these are currently the best team in the country yes. and I think that in general it would be a lot easier for people if they could just relax the general football public <laughs> into the idea that Liverpool are just the best team in the country but I think it's starting to happen now I think it is, it, it, it is now but I think Leicester is I think, so I think the Leicester away game is a bit of a sea right, change in right. that where everyone's just sort of gone well, they've just, they've just absolutely took them to the cleaners. So, you know, there's no arguments. And at the time, like you said, come on back from Qatar. Yeah, massive. Yeah. Do, you, do you think that the City result against Norwich was a little bit of a light bulb moment from a point of view of, hang on a second, Man City are not going to be the same Man City from last year? <laughs> uh, I don't know. Them results can happen. You know, no. and, and, all right, you look at Nor- Norwich at the time were playing really well. They were actually, and they came to Anfield on the fourth day of the season. I, I was mm. at that game. They had chances in that game. They did in the fourth half. Now, in fairness, I thought Liverpool were. I don't even think they were out of second gear, first half, and they were, I think it was four up by half yeah. time. Mm-hmm. Um, it was four one and finished. But Norwich at that time still were kind of on a bit of a buzz after coming up and the adrenaline was still obviously in them. And they went and they played City and they, they played very well. They got goals. They beat them. That sort of thing can happen. But to be honest with you, like when it, when it comes down, you do watch City's results. There's no doubt about that. Anyone that tells you they don't, I think they're lying to you. But <laughs> when, when it comes around, you know, Liverpool are Liverpool's business and nobody else is their business. You can only deal with yourself. And I think Liverpool have got into that kind of tunnel vision thing from very early on. The likes of Norwich happening, I'm sure Palace happened the other day to Man City and anybody else he dropped points against helps and it gives you that extra spore on. But I think Liverpool have literally got tunnel vision from day one here and decided whether it's City or Spores or Chelsea or somebody comes from a pack and has a go. We're not going to concern ourselves. We're just going to do what we're doing. Once the run gets into sort of full flow, which are the players that you've looked at and gone, this is really stepped up and he's maybe not got the credit that he deserves? I think Henderson's been the best player in the country uh, last eight weeks. I think literally the best the best footballer in England uh, playing in the Premier League the last eight weeks. I'd, I'd put him ahead of anybody else's performances week in, week out. Even Genie. Uh, I think yeah. that... Alongside Genie. <laughs> uh, I think well, Genie has a little dip, doesn't he, mid, mid-December. He doesn't yeah. play, gets, in, gets an injury, doesn't play in Qatar, whereas... Uh, yeah, uh, football uh, behind uh, the yeah, Henderson, yeah, Henderson does the business in Qatar as well. What I mean by that is that this eight-week spell, it genuinely is... I think, as I say, I think he's been the best, the best footballer full stop in the country, uh, at a time where the games have come thick and fast. And there's been a fair few sticky ones. I think it wouldn't surprise me if he could maybe do with a couple of games off because he's, he's been putting it in the way in which he has. I think he's been tremendous. And he, he'd be my one of, he's really stood up and be, stood up to be counted. As I say, the last eight, he, he was good the first part of the season, don't get me wrong, but the last eight weeks, I think he's been peerless. You, you, you put a, a poll the other day, didn't you? And you included, was it Marnie that was kind of leading the way? Mine because is, yeah. of a, is it performance over the course of the season? Yeah, like? I mean, um, you know, the recent shouts of sort of player of this season in terms of Hendo, I thought he just misses out into, because I personally thought at the start of the season, he, he, he slightly struggled. But as Neil says, last couple of months, last two months, he's been without shadow of the doubt a leader and inspiration. And absolutely, especially at a time when Fabinho, the best DM in the world, goes, gets an injury and an, as usual, the fan base sort of starts panicking. Oh my God, what are we going to do? And then, you know, Henderson, who's been lambasted a little bit at sort of number six, comes back and just does an absolute amazing job. I mean, for me personally, your, your original question was about in terms of who do you think, what was your original Maybe question? didn't get the credit that they deserved or that players over the course of that run that really kind of shone. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, you know, especially with Cater's injury. Sort of Oxlade in and out of injury, uh, Milner's injury as well. The amount of work, the legwork, the Hendo and Ginny have done. It's insane. I mean, I don't know. I'm not a statsman. I don't know what their numbers are, but they must be off the charts, them too. Yeah, it's mate. been amazing what, watching, watching them. Watching the energy too. that they put in. You just, you, it kills you, the other team that you can't, you just can't keep up with them. I mean, as I said to you in, in the show we done yesterday, I thought Matic and Fred done a decent job. They just couldn't handle yeah. them. It's too strange, well. isn't it? That you um, use, you use Liverpool as the bar to say, Oh, well done. You got close. <laughs> yeah. You know, you sort of yeah. start using that midfield tree. And, and, and even Manchester United are doing the same thing. 
And that's the thing. Like, they've kind of just about come to terms with the fact that we are now the Arctic and they aren't the Arctic any longer. And the fact that every team will try to come with us, come against us with a new plan, try to surprise us with something new. But as Chris was saying before, we are so good at problem solving right now. And going back to what you were saying before about clean sheets, the idea that people were worried that we hadn't kept clean sheets, we weren't conceding more than one goal. So we were taking a punch and we were riding it and we were coming back and winning. I don't game. think we've conceded more than one goal in any game, have we? Salzburg, European Cup, the Mad 4-3. Uh, I was trying to go back to the previous season. And the home derby, the 5 team, which kind of is in a similar vein. And it's allowed that. That's allowed. Neighbourly love. Neighbourly love. If Everton is really going to use the way they scored two goals as something to shout. We might actually have to let them have that. For me, in terms of a player who's been slightly unsung, um, I think he's getting sung a little bit more now, but Joe Gomez, mm. I think it's easy to forget that um, Joel Matip was the Premier League Player of the Month in October, oh, just point. before he comes out, good point. and lots of people at that point have been saying, well, he's actually been playing better than Van Dijk over the last few months. It was a massive, massive potential loss, and when you consider that Joe Gomez is a young lad who's, still, who's come in... And had to come out again. He hasn't really got that rhythm. Played in the 4 3 at Salzburg. Played in the 4 3 at Salzburg. Got a lot of brick flats because of that. Dealt with the Sterling thing as well. Dealt with the Sterling thing. And, and when you look at him, the assurance that he has on the pitch in his own ability to be able to make those recovery runs, to be able to take the ball under pressure with two players either side of him and navigate away from him and find the next pass. He is so. His confidence. It really does um, kind of extrapolate across the rest of the defence and the confidence they have in him, again, for such a young kid. And when you consider him and Trent outside of him and how they could potentially be part of a dominant decade, it really is warming for me to see. Um, let's just move on to, to talk about uh, the, some of the best moments. So we've mentioned Leicester, but was there any other moments in the season so far that you would put down as yet? For me, there was two. One? For me, there was two. Um, Palace away and, as Neil says, Villa away. That's when I personally, I mean, you know, I've always said, no, we're not going to win a winner until about December. Mm. I was whining the Was that when you turned around and said December? When we beat Palace and no, Villa. You've done a prediction, but you can't remember what your prediction is. <laughs> 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 Predictions <laughs> are fluid. You yeah. keep discussing both sides. Predictions <laughs> are fluid. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but but, uh, but, but the, the win at Palace where we didn't play well, yet we still somehow, from somewhere, won the game. Mm. I think Salah was on the bench that day. Few eyebrows were raised about the selection, the team, the team selection. Palace gave us a good game. That's when I knew the mentality is totally different. You know, the, the term mentality monsters, it just shows. Mentality monsters was, isn't, isn't about last minute goals. Mentality monsters is based on what we talked about at the start from losing finals, getting 97 points and not reach, uh, and not winning the league. That is what's changed our mentality. We've turned into absolute monsters as a result of that. And then Villa, you know, when we went out Villa, I thought this is this is it. This is our season. You know, I think it was simultaneously uh, play, being played at the same time as City, where City were. Yeah, it felt like it could be a tipping point, yeah, didn't City, it? City, City would be hand in the game and come back. Southampton at home. That's it. Yeah, that's the one. The weird thing with the Villa game is that, even, that as you say about the mentality, I I never felt that the game was over. Even though Villa even were, from a neutral point of view, yeah, right? Yeah, I felt like it's, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. And then once you got the first goal, you thought right. This is this and is this it. is what the great teams of the past. We talk about the Fergie teams, sort of, you know, playing right to the last minute, the ninety fourth, ninety fifth minute, and we've got that, and it's, it's it's an amazing feeling. I mean, we haven't had it for a little while, so we're going to save for it. Man. Was there any points for you, mate, that was kind of really stood out? Um, Neil Potosnella, Leicester at home. I think it's huge. I think we do bash them. I think we we play them out the park from start to finish. It, like I think it might be only two shots with one on target yeah. in the whole game for Leicester that Madison scores. And if you go back to the season previous, we do very similar at Anfield on a snowy night at Anfield. When we draw, yeah, I was caught. Um, Andy from the Day Trippers was at that, and he said it's the coldest thing he's <laughs> ever been at. Um, he's he can never ever forget it. But we go ahead in that game. Um, Mane scores early in that game, yeah. and and it's Harry Maguire that equalises. But it was a huge thing for me to see Liverpool getting pegged back in that game, and you're thinking not again, because that can get into your mind. You know, it happened last year, it's happened again this year. To come back, we get the penalty, Milner sticks it away as if it's it's just a game on a Sunday somewhere in a park. One of your five it, sides. It doesn't mind, yeah, one of our five <laughs> sides, yeah. Um, but that was huge. I think that was huge because it, it it put a ghost to bed a little bit. 
and it just kept the run going. Mm. I thought it was yours. What about um, you, mate? Um, I have to agree with you about that Leicester game. Uh, thinking back to the one the year before, we they equalised, I think, just before half-time. Yeah. So we had the whole of the second half to mm-hmm. get another goal. And it was just at that point where uh, we were potentially getting a, a, a gap to grow mm-hmm. against uh, Manchester City. They'd lost to Newcastle the previous yeah, evening. exactly. Yeah. And it didn't happen. Whereas this time we had about 10 minutes to, to get another goal back and we were able to do it. My personal memories, um, most complete performance, Leicester away. I think we've already touched on yeah. that. My favourite game, City at home. Because it was absolutely the perfect game. If you think about it, you score early, you assert your dominance, you get another one before half-time, and then you get another one 10 minutes after half-time, then you can just turn it down and say, come on, see what you can get from us. Game management in that game was superb, wasn't it? It felt like there was actually a a real distance. You you were like, wow, Liverpool are just a much better side at the moment. And on top of that, obviously, there's the fact that Pep got quite upset during that game. (laughs) And yeah. We have seen those memes repeated again and again and again. And <laughs> he's going to be seeing that. When people look at the analysis at the end of the season as to why were the moments that Liverpool won it and City lost it, he's going to have to see that again and again. And yeah. what I, I don't know, that really makes me happy. Is there any moment that you look at and go, oh, that was probably a low, a low point or anything that kind of like stuck out for you as... Like that was kind of something that we need to fix or work on. The I think, only, I, 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 think, I think, the, the, so if you want to talk about something we need to fix and work on, it's the number of games Sheffield United away is a good example where Liverpool have three or four really good chances. Yeah. And I don't mean like, you know, a Che Adams header. I mean, Sadio Mane, uh, in front of an open goal with no keeper and hitting the post from six yards. Oh, that's, right. that's, that's a yeah. definition. <laughs> and, uh, and I think more clinical this year. Yeah, yeah I, think, I genuinely think, think that's the, the unspoken thing uh, is that Liverpool could be more clinical. There's been games where Liverpool, have, you know, even just the, you look at the last, I'd, I'd I'd say the last three league games you know United should be more clinical Tottenham should be more clinical uh, and by the way and if Liverpool are more clinical against Tottenham and United you're talking about them in the same breath as Leicester away yeah, uh, yeah, yeah you know, fall yeah. into that category and then um, even Sheffield United at home they miss they control the game completely but they miss a few chances that day and I think that this is it's still something to, to work on I don't think there's been a moment maybe not even a game possibly Manchester City is the one where all three of the front three have all played brilliantly in the same match and, and, and that can, that's bananas to say when you look at where we are look at the fact that we're still in the, the competitions that we're in that you can say that you can make a you can make a coherent argument that there hasn't been one standout performance really from Liverpool's front three that you're able to really salivate over and say you know there was a period sort of after Salah joined uh, up until I think halfway through last season where there was a number of games where all three of them had scored in the same game that's not in this campaign yeah. All three of them have not scored uh, in the same game in this campaign as it stands. Uh, so that and that's major, and I think that that's, that shows where this team still got to go. And and let's be honest about this: if it is going to retain the European Cup, and only Real Madrid have, I think, since the year two thousand, they're going to have to improve that because it, 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 chances do become fewer and farther between in Europe. And I think that if there's one little area to work on, it's that. Yeah, it, although in the same vein, I think one of the things that set Liverpool apart for me is that. When you have an average day, there are always two or three that raise it. Oh, there's so, always so, two or three so that go my Mane, Mane, make the difference. Yeah, Mane up until sort of Villa away is a great Mane game. Mane right the way up until a certain point in the season. It's not to say he's now playing poorly, he's just playing. <clears throat> he's playing Sadio Mane seven and a half yeah. out of ten game rather than Sadio Mane's eight and a half nine ten out of ten game which is what he was doing and dragging Liverpool through but Mane you know repeatedly steps up uh, the first the, the first periods of the season repeatedly pulls it out the bag for the Reds uh, wins the penalty against Leicester scores the last minute header against Villa you know Sadio Mane is there at the key times and really comes through so no it's not it isn't to say and it, it isn't to it's more just to have an honest appraisal of the way the three of them have actually what they've contributed sure. to Firmino hasn't scored a goal at Anfield yet this season yeah, I mean the one against United if it stands so it's not about sort of courage or anything like that but the flip side of that is he scored massive goals two at Leicester uh, the one in the final in Qatar you know the goals he has scored he hasn't yeah. scored as many as people might like he's only on seven, on nine sorry uh, so he's on about one in three but they've been really significant and I think that that's what's counted the timing the timing on when they step up is huge you know like Neil talks there about Firmino not scoring a goal at Anfield and he has gone through a patch and I've listened to shows from, from the Anfield rap from ourselves from other Liverpool podcasts and during the same period a lot of people were saying the same thing Firmino probably needs a rest or he needs to step her up a little bit but during that time Sadio Mane arrives and decides I'll, I'll do all this for a couple of weeks and you take your time it's okay <laughs> you know Mohamed Salah was talked about earlier on in the season always they were comparing him after 7, 8, 9 games his outlay isn't the same as it was two seasons ago ridiculous to be fair and honest. had a little injury as well that he yeah. was constantly trying to play through but at that time Firmino was doing quite well and Mane was doing now Mane might have a little drop now but if you look now 
Firmino looks like he's getting back on it and Salah looks just a menace now. And I think he's going into the last 15 games going, Harry Kane's gone for the rest of the season yeah. and I'm definitely <laughs> taking this golden boot on my own because he was a bit annoyed he had to share it, I'd say, last season. So <laughs> at the right times, they've all stepped, like you said, they've all stepped up, but there is times when the three of them could step up and be brilliant, but we seem to have this knack that if one happens to be a little bit off, the other two are more covering them every week, no problem. It's the beauty of having three elite forwards. Yes. It really is, because if you're a, an opposition manager, there was times when obviously Salah was flying, so everyone had, had to have a Salah plan, you want to have two men on Salah, then what happens? All of a sudden, Sadio Mane starts scoring loads of goals. It's like, oh, we've got to do something about him. So if you try to do something about him, then obviously there's Firmino. The other thing that's happened this season, which has kind of allowed that um, front three question to not really come up, is that we're getting goals from other people. Yeah, That was one thing that was really lacking last season. The reason why the front three were so eulogised is because they were scoring such a large percentage of our goals. But if you look at it now, Trent's scoring more goals. Genie's got a couple. Oxlade-Chamberlain's scoring goals. Robertson. Cater's Even Robertson's Robertson scored. scoring goals. Everybody, I think Joe Gomez I think Bar- is Joe the Gomez. one who yeah. hasn't scored yet. Yeah. Yeah. And, that, and that, that's fantastic. That's what you want. But obviously, the fact that we can be in a situation where the front three could be better, and so there's still a level to go, that must be really quite scary for everyone else. Do you now look at the 100 points? Do you now look at going invincible? Is it just simply a case of let's get the lead? Time to fire up the grill. Time to go to Total Wine and find the perfect flavour to pair with those burgers. Ooh, I love their beer cooler. (laughs) You love their prices even more. Wondrous selection, helpful guides, ridiculously low prices. Total Wine and more. Total done and then see what happens. I think that the the psychology of this is fascinating for me. It's worth remembering that I don't think Harvey Elliott was born when Arsenal went invincible. But... The flip side of this is that Liverpool this season will play two games against a team that got 100 points. And I think it's easy to want to say, do the mature thing, make mature decisions, don't worry about it all too much. But I think if one of the things you can do is literally beat your rivals in that most direct way, then it wouldn't surprise me if that won't be in Klopp's mind. And there may at some point be a little bit of a conflict possibly between Klopp and the players around some t- tough decisions. Because, right. uh, you know, if, if if those players do decide that they want that 100 points internally, and I think it's important to, when you talk about this Liverpool side, to give credit to different units in that sense. You know, Klopp and his coaching team are a different unit to the players. Klopp praises the players a lot in a third-person way. Mm. It's unbelievable what they do. It's unbelievable the way they approach this. I can't, because it's you, the Barcelona game, you have a chance. And I think it's really interesting that he makes that differentiation in a positive if Liverpool do less well it's us if Liverpool are doing brilliantly it's quite clear it's these players they're my, they're, these are my boys uh, and but they, but they belong to themselves and so I think it wouldn't surprise me if at some sort of point they mentioned Mo Salah and the idea of it, a personal goal for him uh, the idea of getting that golden boot and, and missing out on it last time I think that it might be that those players decide because it is basically defeating a direct rival a team currently playing the 100 points matters to them. The flip side is, though, that at some sort of point there might be some tough decisions to be made around selection. If Liverpool can get this league title done early and there's no guarantees, Wolves away is going to be a difficult game. You know, I think you can, st- you know, you, you, it will be a difficult game and there's, there's difficult games to come. But if they do get it done early, then it does raise a conflict. To, you know, if you've got a Champions League quarter final, if they get through against yeah. Atletico, it's back to back weeks. So do you make, do you make eight changes for the game in the middle or do you back the rhythm? And I think that's going to be difficult for the manager, but it wouldn't surprise me if it might also just be difficult psychologically for some of the players who can see greatness and want it on their CVs. Let's open that up then. So look, talk about <coughs> Champions League as well. I think that that's all a valid point. I think what Cop might have in his bag to pay maybe counter that is the changes that he's made. I think again, going back to the derby, where he made all those changes yeah. and they still won. Everything's he, worked. Yeah, he's proving to these guys. If you think about uh, Curtis Jones, the way he's come in, Javier himself, everyone's come in and contributed. And the fact that uh, the squad is now at a point where we can say, look, I trust all of you to get this job done. And you should trust each other. And you should trust each other. And there does seem to be a lot of um, trust within that dressing room. I mean, we haven't really touched on the, the kind of team spirit. We spoke about mentality monsters and stuff like that. But I think... In all of the things we talk about, in terms of Adrian coming into the squad, we need to be so uh, together to be able to accept new people in and accept new people and say, look, this is our high standards. We are an elite team. If you come in, you've got to be able to match that, but still give them the freedom to express themselves, not make them fear it, but to cherish it and to want to get up to that level. And the way we are as a squad is really, really important. Do you you think then in terms of that mentality, 
that they won't allow themselves to rest when it comes to the Champions League and the Premier League at the same time, that everyone will just want to play every minute. Everyone will want to play every minute, but Klopp will have to do his bit to be able to say, look, okay, you may not be able to play in every game, but you're going to be available to contribute in every game. Let's not forget Gini Wijnaldum came off the bench against Barcelona. Yeah. Two goals. One of the things I've been impressed with, I, I personally have quite enjoyed watching Oxlade Chamberlain look livid that he has to come off because he wants to contribute, right? He wants to be a part of it. Like, and that, that seems to be the mentality across the board. No one wants to come off because everyone's just enjoying it. No, it's just so hard to get into that team. Yeah. You know, and Klopp said it many times if you have the short and you play well, you keep the short. And he's, he's proven that on many occasions in the, what, four, four years or so he's been, being a Liverpool manager. If you're, if you're good, you keep the short. Oxley Chamberlain was okay on Sunday. Um, the biggest thing for me was he looked very physical in what he was doing. He was into tackles that you nearly wince when he'd be done it a couple of months back because of the injury he had. But he's coming off there and he's, he's hitting the back of chairs and it's not because he's going to fall out with Jurgen Klopp. It's because, look, I had a, a decent game, but decent isn't enough. You look at, you look at Jordan Henderson the week before. He's coming off the, off the pitch after beating Spurs and you see Klopp trying to tell him well done and he's like, no, it's not good. Well, Ginny talks about when he was sort of, when he found out he was not starting the, the semi-final against Barcelona and how I was angry with Klopp. But he says it, he says, but he didn't mean it sort of in terms of any... Kind of a personal thing, no, it's, it's because, just he know, wants he, to yeah, play. He wants to play. Yeah. And, and not only the senior players, we're talking about Ox, who's a senior player, Ginny's a senior player, but look at the, the attitude of Jones, who says, you know, I'm, I'm being frustrated, I've not been able to get into this team. I mean, we're talking about an 18-year-old or whatever he is, talking about the best team in the world and look at his attitude and confidence. And that's all inspired by Klopp. Even Harvey, uh, the young kid, Harvey Elliott, um, comes onto the pitch and sort of, you know, is, is a clone for Messi. Do you know what I mean? It's amazing. <laughs> but, but it's, it's amazing. Massive show. It's yeah. Massive. yeah, you reckon? Mm. Just, <laughs> just a bit. Um, but but, but it's, it's, it's just instilled throughout the youngsters, throughout the team. Talk about Joe Gomez, who's still very young. We forget he's playing like sort of um, a, a defender that's been sort of playing his trade for years and years and knows everything about the centre-back position, but he, what, he's 22 or something? He's 22, yeah. Amazing. And so this is, it's not just the senior members, it's throughout the whole squad, the, the maturity in Trent, the maturity in the squad is outstanding. Just quickly on the on the Champions League for you, do you think you go for it again in the same way? Oh, or is the doubt. league very much the... Oh, no, look, look, the, the, if you asked me before Christmas, I would have said, look, I don't give a shit. When I say I don't give a shit about Champions League, I don't literally mean the that. The priority is the, the priority. priority is the league. Just give me the league over anything else. But now that we've smashed the league, we've smashed the league. <laughs> now that we've smashed the league in January, absolutely, why not go for the FA Cup? Give the youngsters a run out. Absolutely amazing confidence for them, boost for them, and definitely the Champions League. So on top, let's let's touch on this kind of like the the attitude swing and the change. It feels like at the beginning of the season, as a neutral looking on. People were not ready to accept that Liverpool were going to be at this level. Has it changed for you as Liverpool fans? Do you mind the fact that everyone else is kind of on this bandwagon it's, now? It's, it's no, was the man for this. I want people to be on the bandwagon and to acknowledge that this is one of the truly greatest sides that has ever existed in English football history. And it may go on to demonstrate this season that it is the greatest side in English football history. It got 97 points and won the European Cup last year. If it goes on, retains that wins this league the way in which it looks like it's going to do and it may well may well still be able to go deep in the FA Cup then I think you'll have to be able to say this is this is one of the great sides it is one of the great sides as part of the did I do so I do want people to be on that because I just think well if you're not on that then we're all kidding ourselves Man City in, in the autumn to winter of 2017 played some of the greatest football I've ever seen they, they, they demolished Tottenham uh, but scored four past Tottenham in, on December the 16th and excite the game all the time because I watched it agog this is this is unreal this football oh, yeah. and you've be able to say that because we're all grown-ups yeah. ultimately and you know it's it, and we're also meant to be able to appreciate the sport um in terms of from a Liverpool point of view for me I am not even with the points total being where it is I'm not that surprised what I am surprised about is the gap yeah. and it's the gap and that it's the gap that opens up the opportunity of being able to focus on 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 possibly three fronts I've already got the world club championship in the bag and the super cup being able to do that it is the gap so for me I am genuinely surprised that City are going at basically only a tiny little bit better than two points a game uh, and we're going at what we're going at you know it, it really wouldn't surprise me if we were going at what we were going at and City were still only six points behind at which point you wouldn't even have us here but if you did we'd all be saying well we've got a big <coughs> circle around that game at the Etihad in April yeah. that's 
that's what's not happened here. And I think that that's, that's what changes the mentality from a Liverpool point of view. It changes the parameter. And I think that what Liverpool have done in a road in this Manchester City side, which is one of the great sides of English football history over the last two seasons, the two seasons prior to this one, which may well also still finish this season as European champions. Mm-hmm. Let's have that right. They can win that European yeah. Cup. The, what Liverpool have done in eroding that team, eroding them down to what they've done, breaking them even last season when, when Bernardo Silva and Raheem Sterling were dragging them over the line week after week after week and they showed such character city, they just couldn't do it again. And right now, you haven't, I haven't seen Raheem Sterling have a good game for two months. Bernardo Silva's had one good game in about the last four because they put everything into that last year. They've got nothing left to give and we are where we are and they are where they are and we have done that across a whole calendar year, if not even more. What about you, Mo? Do you, do you appreciate the fact that people are now actually starting to come around to this side? It is quite fun, particularly when you're thinking about Jordan Henderson, someone who was yeah, maligned not only within our fan base, but definitely within the wider fan base, and people who just didn't understand, people didn't get it. And yet there were manager after manager who would not only pick him, but make him central to what they were trying to do. The fact that now people are beginning to realise this, whether begrudgingly or not, that is good. One thing I would say, though, is that it's, there's not really much point in us hanging our hat and changing everybody's minds. No. Because there is going to be loads of people out there who are just going to have to find something just to make themselves feel better. Flat earthers. Yeah, exactly. I've, I've, seen, it. I've seen that a little <laughs> bit over the last few months, and I'm still trying to, get un- try to understand what, what possible thing people can leverage to suggest Take that it's just not... Oh, yeah. There's no, no, the, no. The, the, no but when the distance is that far... How does, how does that work? Neil's how spoke, does that work? Neil, well, Neil, Neil's spoken about the gap. He's a little bit surprised by the gap. Yeah, I think that's fair. But he's right in what he says. Liverpool have a role in Man City. And Man City used to be able to take a blow in a game. And now we can come back and do it. When they take a blow in a game now, they, they, the pressure's heaped on them to do it. Because they know if they don't, Liverpool will. And instead of, you know, drawing against Palace and, oh, Liverpool may draw there and we might be okay. No, we've drawn today and Liverpool are putting another two on us. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. it, it's just the way it is. And the, look, the, the league table shows you. You know, City have, I think, lost five games this season. Yeah. They've drawn three. Yeah. So they, I don't think they've won five games in a row this season at any stage. Liverpool have won 21 out of 12. I can't, I've lost count. 21 yeah. out of 22. <laughs> and one of them was a draw at Old Trafford. So, you know, we've put two 10-game winning streaks together, more or less when you add them up. And... That's what teams like that do to you. That's what City done to teams two years ago. They're a hundred points. They, they won over a hundred points, but you knew from way out they were winning it because yeah. they were always going to take advantage of any slip that any side in this league made. And that's what Liverpool are doing now. On the mentality thing from the start of the season, I wanted a league title. That was it. I, I, I was quoted on one of the shows we done where I said, I don't care if we don't win a coin toss for the rest of the season <laughs> once we win a league title. Neil's right. You're going, you're going to end up with tough decisions because Listen, we're going to get into February, probably the middle of March, middle to end of March, albeit if we get past Atletico Madrid, where you are going to have to make decisions on games on Sunday and then games come Wednesday. And it has, it is going to have to switch to the European Cup. The FA Cup will take, it'll take care of itself. The likes of Adrian that we mentioned earlier, Shakiri, Lalana, all these sort of players, uh, Minamino that's come in, he'll, he'll get a good run in that. But when you look at it, we are going to have to switch because at the end of the day, Liverpool are in the business of trying to win major trophies. And you can't turn around and say, well, we have that one won and we want to make it really extra special. But we don't want to win this really big one. It has to, you know, you're, you're, you're in that business. Yeah. You know what I mean? You are in that business. And can we go invincible? Absolutely, we can. They have the ability. Will they? No, I don't think so because them decisions will have to be made. Will they top 100 points? I'd be very surprised if they don't. But again, think about the evolution of the side. If you look back to last season, we were millimetres away from winning the league and the European Cup with 100 points Absolutely. and being unbeaten. Yeah. The one game that we yeah. lost was against Man City, which would have changed all that. So the fact that now we've got this gap means that the idea of being able to win both those trophies is even more likely than it was last season. So we've absolutely got to go for it. Just to finish up, um, let's talk about the, the club itself. Because one thing we haven't mentioned is the way in which the club and the fans are quite united. One, I mean, something small for me, or not even small, but just something that's perhaps not even to do with the football. Someone like Jamie Webster, for example, yep. seemed to kind of galvanised and connected people in a way that not a lot of other clubs can get anywhere near. Um, and that, for me, was kind of the one thing that opened my eyes to this. This is a 
this is a very unified club, isn't it, between fans and the team and the board and the management? Yeah, the club right now has, has got so much of that right. There's a lot of people who don't like and there's a lot of snide uh, thrown towards the air uh, that this means more marketing slogan. First and foremost, that this means more marketing slogan is a marketing slogan. So <laughs> so calm down. <laughs> but secondly, though, I do think... I do think but I do think ever so slightly Liverpool, Liverpool football club, <laughs> since they've been touting that as a marketing slogan, have tried to live that value. To a, to a decent degree, not to an absolutely perfect degree, which means they're, you know, they're an un- unimpeachable, wonderful set of people. There's still the business of football that goes on. And they have tried to do that. And I think it's important to remember that in the context of the fact that we are still not quite five years mm-hmm. from, um, a, a third to a half of the ground walking out over FSG, increasing the ticket prices against Sunderland. And I think that so much of this brilliant stuff that's happened since, I'm glad you mentioned Jamie, uh, because, you know, he, do, he does brilliant stuff and, and people love him and he's such a lovely person. But all of this, you know, Kiev, Madrid, all of it's happened. Not, We still are not five years since half that ground walked out because they tried to put the ticket prices up. And the growth of the football club, Klopp, never took the side of the club. He never took the side of the supporters either. He, he ploughed a very neat little route. But that happens. And then at six weeks later, Liverpool beat Dortmund 4-3. Uh, with the late winner, where the whole crowd is absolutely in, in ferment. And I think that that summer, you know, if you're Jurgen Klopp, you're able to say to the ownership, I'm your manager, I am your guy, but I need none of that to happen again. <laughs> and I need a lot of Dortmund to happen again. And how are we going to work on that? And I genuinely think the club has, has, has taken that's a Nadia to walk out on your football team because they're putting the prices up is a Nadia. And when they're at the, at the moment, for instance, you know, United supporters are talking about their club and everyone's having club based conversations to walk out yeah. is a really low moments but we did that and from there now the bond has never been stronger it's never been better and everyone at the football club and I include the supporters everyone at the football club deserves credit for the fact that we've rebuilt that from that low we've rebuilt to where we are now where as you say we're the most unified club in the country the way the players are treated spoken about applauded acclaimed after the game the way the manager speaks about them the way there is the relationship between the the, the supporters and the ownership for the first time since you know we, we had Hicks and Gillette and court cases it's unreal and they've, they've done absolutely Everybody, and as I say, you have to include the supporters. Everybody has done absolutely brilliantly. I think the thing that another thing that gets overlooked within all of that is that FSG, in that instance, have learned from their mistakes. As I say, the prices since then have been pretty much stable, and there's been other instances where they've come out and got it wrong, and they've learned from it. They've listened and they've allowed that to become something of a strength. Where whereas before it was like, okay, we got it wrong but we're listening to you now and fans are starting to trust that they are listening so that when they do get it wrong there will be able to be some kind of reconciliation I compare it to say a situation in Newcastle uh, we have a thing like Mike Ashley who's just going to put his heels in uh, they didn't do that I, I think to a certain extent they are still aware that they are still getting used to the idea of being uh, the owners of a football team in England and then you put on the fact that you were owner of a football team in Liverpool which is a, a slightly different thing all of its own for them to come in and to be able to get that tone and to be able to say as I said when we've got it wrong we're going to listen that's what aids things like Dortmund and like you said Klopp would definitely said to them look we need to harness these guys have you seen how much power they give us we need to get these guys on site and if you say money, things about FSG, they're not stupid. Where it makes money, and the more, the, the, the more money they're going to make. Yeah, it's a, it's absolutely a business. And for me, like you look at like the appointment of Tony Barrett into the club. Yeah. Um, you look at Peter Moore as really the, the the face of the club at the moment. You know, um, he's he's very good on social media at times. Uh, he listens from what I can hear. He listened. There was. Stuff going back about the, the trademark stuff. I know the Anvil wrapped on a little bit on it at the time, and it was a really good piece. I think I think maybe Gibbo done it where he got both sides of the story and stuff like that. But just seeing, you know, an executive of a club come out and willing to talk like that is is a massive thing. But for me, the big thing is the people that are in jobs. They're walking to what their job title is, and Jurgen Klopp is Liverpool manager, and he manages the players who are players. And FSG, the main lads that that were there at the start, and did make noise, like Mo said, they made noise, and then they realised. Probably the wrong noise to make. We'd have to go back and and adjust that slightly. They seem to have gone quiet, and it seems to suit everybody. They're they're a silent partner and all this. They're a major partner and all of it. They're the biggest partner, I suppose. But they're a lot they're a lot more quiet than they used to be. And there's a couple of people there that are the face of the club, as you would call them. But it works really, really well now. The club feels a lot more accessible to fans. And look, 
from the time FSG came in, two thousand and ten, and it was it was bad. It was really really bad. <laughs> to now, you know, if we're looking going back four years on a walkout, which is it is the most dramatic thing you can do at a football club, is walkout on players as they're playing on the pitch. To when you look at it now, and even things around, we win a European Cup and all the merchandise you can want is there. Whether we won it in two thousand five, you couldn't get a club shop that was open. You know, that's not the way it is. That that's that's the truth. So. People walking to their job title, I think, is a massive thing over the last, I would say, two to three years at Liverpool Football Club. Great. I'll give you the last word. There's, there's, there's absolutely nothing I can add more than what these guys have said. I just think the, the image of the team currently is probably a fair comparison to the image of the owners in terms of problem solving. What they've done started from scratch. Humility. You know, the humility to listen. To, the, the humility to just to acknowledge mistakes have been made but they've been rectified quietly in-house. It's amazing. It's, it's, it's an absolute dream world we're living in. And uh, long may it continue, that's all I can say. Right, we'll wrap up there. I mean, what a, what a brilliant show. That was great fun. And it was really good to listen, particularly from a neutral perspective, and, and see uh, the way in which things have played out for Liverpool fans' eyes. And I'm glad that it's, it seems quite close to what neutrals are now seeing and neutrals are now getting, because I think there has been a shift in, in perception. There's certainly been a shift in uh, the way that people are prepared to look and appreciate this Liverpool side. So we'll see how it ends. We're all looking forward to the last few games. Make sure you check out uh, LFC Day Trippers and the Anfield Wrap. We'll leave links in the, uh, in, the, uh, in the description underneath, so you can go out and check those guys' channels, their podcasts as well, which are really, really great. Thank you so much for coming down, everyone. Coming from all over, the, all over the place. Really appreciate it. Subscribe to 90 Min if you haven't already, and we'll see you next time. So, let's say you're into yoga or Pilates, or maybe you dabble in gymnastics like me. Either way, you know being flexible is key to doing what you love. That's why Smoothie King created this stretch and flex smoothie for people like us. With whole fruits and organic veggies, plus type 2 collagen, make it part of your daily fitness routine to support flexibility and joint health. So try the stretch and flex smoothie in tart cherry or pineapple kale. Order online today for pickup or delivery. Smoothie King, rule the day. Hey, don't forget the Johnsons are coming over. I want to find a rosé Jill hasn't tried yet. Let's go exploring at Total Wine. Their prices are ridiculously low. Wondrous selection, helpful guides, always low prices. Total Wine and more. Sports Social Podcast Network.